Hello and welcome back to Sprouting Conversations. This is a podcast for youth and by youth where we celebrate all of the amazing work done by young people in our community around food. I am Laja Warren, the Youth Engagement Coordinator working with CR Fair and coordinating the Youth Food Network and I am beyond excited to share this episode with you. In this episode, we are sharing a variety of clips from all of the youth who were interviewed in this podcast, and all of these clips are their answers to this question. What would you do if you could change our food's future? If you had a magic wand for a day, what would you do to make this this look different for us, our food's future look different? And this allowed us to get into these really dreamy, beautiful conversations around our food's future and without any limitations of how we actually get there. And then there will also be other clips in here that are more focused on the how we get there process and what does it look like to get to that point? What are the things we need to think about? And this is a really important question to ask because when we think about our dreams and think about what we envision for our food's future, we often create this really we generate a lot of great ideas and the ideas that came out of the guests on our show were beautiful and things that I've never thought about. And so collecting them together was really a magical experience and just closing my eyes to see what what that future would look like and think about where my role could be within that and how I could support that vision to become a reality. So I encourage you to really take what you need from this episode and maybe close your eyes and go into a really beautiful dream space and think about what what this future could look like and feel inspired by it, feel empowered by it. And so without further ado, let's sprout some conversation. Yeah, like you said, it's like it's like a dreaming question, but I, I like I think like dreaming is like a good part of creating change. And mm-hmm. so yeah, like what I like to picture is is like myself being in a town that runs off a lot of renewable energy and has a lot of community gathering places with musicians and artists lining the streets and alleyways, spreading their own message. Um, I like to imagine a long street that is filled with different vendors selling their produce and having long conversations with their customers. Yeah, I like to imagine walking through a town and seeing kids playing around and people smiling at each other as they walk by. Um, yeah, it's, it sounds pretty nice, right? But yeah, <laughs> on an institutional level, I would like to see this all being paid for by the community members that live in it because in a local economy, what people spend their money on transfers back into the local into their own community and yeah it's all it would be a collaboration between the community and their local government that have decided that this is all they wanted from the park benches to maybe a new train connection um but yeah how do we get there uh we start by building a stronger connection with the people around us and start using our imagination on what a city or town could look like just imagine if you could just snap your fingers and change everything. Yeah, what what would that look like to you? Um, this all happens with the spark of hope, and it's pretty much as simple as that. Um, how how we want our life to look like in the future and for future generations, and a big part of that for us is to be able to live off the land solely and 
um, you kind of touched on that in the beginning about how you have this dream of being able to harvest and, and, and hunt and live off the land. And I think um, that's an idea that we both incredibly support to be able to live like holistically and um, locally and to have this trade within um, within the community and to take that monetary value and stress out of out of food because it is such a rich resource in um, like physical mental spiritual and emotional in health you know and so um, to just really put a huge value on that and make it accessible to all communities and all people without any question or hesitation is something really great and on a low scale through the Sprout Fund, we've been able to um, start a little hobby garden. And I'll be honest, it's made out of driftwood and it's a little slouched to the side, but we've put some love into it. And um, our tomatoes and stuff, they, they've they been growing so big and all the youth in the community, we were guessing they, they knew our tomatoes were growing too because we could find a trail leading back to one one of their houses and it was a cute little trail of our tomatoes <laughs> and it was I just so precious to be able to share that with the community just warms my heart you know and to see like these mm-hmm. red stained lips is just like just to be able to pass that on and pass that knowledge on of okay like this is how you take care of um the earth and this is how you take care of the plants and yourself yeah and yourself man like that is so great <laughs> yeah for me as well it's just looking at the 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 impacts um on the land and water before us and the impacts we're having today and also looking at the future generations and how that will impact them because I definitely want my little future little ones, cousins, whatever they are, to run around and have the same uh, rich and healthy resources that I do today and that my ancestors had before. Um, yeah, I guess it would be just like having an abundance of like native plants, native trees, like native ecosystems in our communities. Um, there's, you know, there's such a high homeless population here in Venice. And I always think like if we had fruit trees on the streets and the, you know, these native shrubs that are producing berries, like that would make their quality of life a tiny bit better at least. Um, I would definitely abolish multinational corporations, like just erase them totally <laughs> and put the focus more onto like people and communities and funneling that money there. Um, and definitely just like abolish capitalism, like give people back their time and give people back their lives so that we can be recreating these meaningful relationships with each other and the land.
just want to say that I think it's so important that you ask things like that so that our conversations don't focus around problems, but focus around vision and inspiration as well. Um, mm -hmm. Some things that come to mind for me, which I think exists only in a post-capitalist future is, uh, as I've alluded to already, that food is not a commodity. Food is not something that is bought, sold, traded purely on the basis of profits and price. Um, because that's how it functions under capitalism. Is It's yet another thing um, to profit from. And I think it feels inherently wrong to me um, that there are huge corporations profiting off of food uh, and making the prices higher than they need to be so that someone at the top of uh, that corporation can pay themselves a huge salary. Uh, so I would love to see a world um, along the lines of what you're describing in, in your own reconnection with land and seeing food as something that's like provided to you as a gift from the natural world. And that is like this amazing source of connection to our environment that like we can really see ourselves as a part of nature when we eat from natural systems that are all around us and are sustaining us. Um, so that's obviously a huge shift. That's my long-term vision, I guess, um, for the future of food. Um, but to have yeah, communities and uh, environments that we can exist in where we're, we nourish the land and the land feeds us and um, that food is available to everyone to, to cultivate and to use responsibly uh, and isn't something that people are discriminated from their access to because they can't afford it. Um, that to me feels so inherently wrong. Uh, and I would love for us to, to radicalize that relationship with food um, so that it's once again and um, something that is that is held in common and that connects us to land. I have all day to just be like, doing spells or something. Oh yeah, whole day. You have nothing on your calendar but creating magic. <laughs> wow, that's a big question. I mean, I think if I had like a decommodify food spell, that would be a good starting place for me. <laughs> um, decommodify food, make sure that, yeah, that how much capital and, and money people have isn't a barrier to their access to food. That's a big one. Probably mm -hmm. a pretty long spell. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like I guess... I always hear these crazy, scary statistics about how how reliant Vancouver Island is on uh, imported food and how many days we would last if we got cut off. And I don't like thinking about those too much. So maybe another one to um, do like hugely amp up local food production. Yeah. yeah, we have a list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were we were thinking we were talking about this uh, before we we you know we got onto the this uh, to, to record this, um, and our first thought was, well, what do we not want to change? Because oh. <laughs> there's a there's a lot to change. Um, if we were to pick one, I think both of us agreed that we would change people's relationship to food or the relationship to land <clears throat> because. Um, I think a big, 
there's this disconnection from land, this disconnection from, from natural systems. The fact that we think of natural systems as something over there, right? Not something imminently right here. Um, as an extension of us. Is an extension of us, yeah, yeah. part of us. Um, that, that, that sort of awareness isn't well inculcated when you go to the, the store and you, you get your food and you get to have the same diet all year round. Uh, I'm not saying like that's not, that's not fun uh, and you know, inconvenient, but it, you know, it disconnects you from the land. And I think if people are connected to the land, then they're more aware, they, 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 can, they understand their dependencies, the interdependencies, their vulnerabilities. Um, and that's why I, I love getting more people to grow food because if you grow food, you start to slowly develop this relationship with land because if, for example, you have a little soil plot and you got to take care of that soil plot because if you don't take care of that soil plot, it's not going to take care of you because it's not going to feed you. So you mm. need to feed it and in turn, it'll feed you. Um, so yeah, I think it's more this, it's not just the structural component. We could, we could talk for a long time about the structural components, but I think the big, the, the worst, you know, uh, effect of the structural uh, problems is this sort of more emotional or spiritual component. Um, mm. So I think that would be the biggest thing that I would want to change uh, about the food system. And I think that can be changed by getting more people to access to grow food and connect with land. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, your answer is it's really beautiful. And it also really um, reminds me of everything I've ever learned about sort of the Coast Salish people's like traditional relationship to this land that has existed since time immemorial and um it, it seems really like what you're saying is kind of we we could have a lot to learn um from those who have existed on this land before us uh-huh. some of my my big dreams are definitely for a huge shift in the way that humans interact with Foodland. Um, and just, can we please say goodbye to industrial farming? Like, good Lord, this is long overdue. So that's definitely like a place to start. But then thinking about farms and farming and growing food as community centers is something that I was like, woke up dreaming about this morning. But what if all places where food are grown, let's call them farms for this podcast, but what if all farms were open to everyone and not private property and food was grown communally and they were community education centers where workshops were held and people gathered and had big meals together and and food wasn't sold for profit, but everyone had access to food because food is a basic human right. And and these beautiful farms that are also community centers and that are buzzing with life are have so many people helping out and have so many people's hands in the dirt and and there's a different sort of economy or exchange happening there and yeah i just think about what it would look like if we were truly in community around food and if we all had the chance to contribute to growing food or being adjacent to growing food and all had access to food that was grown beautifully um, and intentionally. Mm. 
That's my dream for a room. <laughs> what a beautiful future. <laughs> but I think having those opportunities really young and kind of normalizing it at such a young age could make a really big change in our society and having it be just kind of an opportunity that's always that always seems like something you could do like oh yeah I've known about that since I was like in kindergarten that's that's totally something I could do um mm -hmm. it just kind of breaks down that I don't know if stigma is the right word but um just kind of that that extra level of barrier yeah, totally. Because I think for even for me this summer, like I'd never grown anything before. And I felt comfortable starting because I had friends that worked in community gardens and were like willing to help me and answer my questions mm -hmm. and sort of like give me that like reassurance that I was going to be able to do it. And that was so helpful. But yeah, I think about like my roommates that they went to, they didn't go to public school. They went to a different kind of school that sort of had more emphasis on hands-on learning. And like they mm -hmm. learned how to knit and sew and all sorts of like handwork when they were really young. And now, now it's like second nature to them. They're like, amazing at it. And I think, yeah, instilling those kind of like skills and, and also values in really young kids is like the way to do it for yeah. sure and having those opportunities open like even if even if someone hates plants and they just it's not for them but at least the opportunity is there and maybe maybe it would be something that they would love but they had the chance to kind of explore that and see no that wasn't really for them but mm -hmm. it was kind of that open non-judgmental opportunity that was kind of just there guess the structure of what proposed you being capitalism is so huge and it's not yet balanced by what we're proposing so what I'm looking at is how we can shift this social balance and really encourage everyone to participate in the alternatives that exist out there in the way of proposition and disengage from the systems that we're opposed to in capitalism. And I'm looking at this in kind of three ways right now, which are all embedded in that concept of opposition and proposition. So one aspect would be to really just keep doing what we're doing because that's kind of where we're at right now in the process of changing the food system. Capitalism is harmful on an immediate level, so our response needs to be immediate. So yeah, right now I think a lot of our work is just holding off the work, the worst of capitalism. But I also believe that's the appropriate response to the current situation. These band-aid solutions give us an opportunity to catch our breath and to build capacity to extend our work beyond band-aiding and towards change. So I think another aspect would be 
to encourage food sovereignty. So bringing that back to what I was talking about before, we can do this by organizing community-based food initiatives that locate people who receive aid into the process of creating aid. So we're redefining aid as a mutual process and not a dependent one. Mm-hmm. And I think the aspect that completes this trio for me um, would be to make communal the means of production. A lot of work that we're both doing right now exists in the consumer and the consumption areas of the food system. So another approach to changing that food system would be restructuring the capitalist means of production. Mm-hmm. And I think this point really gets at um, that earlier sentiment you were expressing of feeling stuck in capitalism. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that is because our resources that we use in these programs does depend on capitalist waste. Yeah. But if we could also reclaim the means of production and pull those out of capitalism and have more agency and more power within production as well, we wouldn't be dependent on the capitalist food system. The solution to capitalism is definitely not more capitalism. Um, And I recognize there is a lot of nuance in that conversation, but ultimately to solve an issue rooted in capitalism, we need to be looking outside of capitalism for a solution. So Mm -hmm. I think what we're getting at here is the difference between food security and food sovereignty. Food banks and other food donation programs often address food insecurity, which is entirely necessary and important because there is immediate need to access food in a low barrier way right now because people are food insecure right now. But what these organizations may not be emphasizing is food sovereignty. And being food sovereign means you have the agency and the say in the process of accessing foods that are aligned to your preference and to your culture. So the irony here is that encouraging food sovereignty is actually a long-term solution for food insecurity. It's kind of like that colloquial saying where you can give someone a fish and they'll eat for a day, or you can teach someone to fish and they'll eat for life. So to appropriately respond to a lapse of food sovereignty, the emphasis should be on providing tools and knowledge instead of creating a dependence on direct food donations. But This is in no way to say that food banks should be responsible for creating solutions located in food sovereignty. Food banks are doing, and other programs like food banks, are doing an absolutely vital service right now 
of responding to the food security, food insecurity that exists, um, and they are already at capacity. So to add more responsibility onto them, I really don't think is the way forward either. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sprouting Conversations. Like I said, this is our final episode of this season, and I am so excited that you've listened to it and heard all the beautiful dreams that our guests from previous episodes have shared with us. And I really encourage you to think about your own dream for our food's future and try and go into that side of your brain and just dream about all the possibilities without any boundaries of what could our food's future look like. I really feel inspired by this episode and I'm excited to hear what others have to say. So please comment on this episode with all the different things that you could see for our food's future as well. And let's together make this beautiful dream a reality.